You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Kentucky Podcast. We bring you info and insights on UK football and basketball every weekday. Stay informed by making us part of your morning or afternoon commute. Listen and follow for free on Apple or Google Podcasts. Simply subscribe to Locked On Kentucky. I'm Dan Reefer with Fox 56 along with Kyle Tucker of The Athletic who is in Baton Rouge uh, after Kentucky's win over uh, LSU just by three points. It was actually... um, uh, an 11-point lead with like two minutes to go. Uh, Kentucky was up, I think, 15 with uh, a little over five minutes to go. Uh, so the score a lot closer than it actually was. But uh, Kentucky got uh, some strong performances from several guys. That first half was awful. But in the second half, uh, Emmanuel quickly was much better. He was 5 of 5 shooting. Uh, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, he was one of seven in the first half, four of eight in the second half. Uh, Nick Richards was uh, about equal both halves, winds up 13 points, six rebounds, six blocks. Uh, and then the big story, of course, was Nate Sistina. That's the guy you got from him what you didn't expect, uh, which was uh, three for three from three in the second half. And I mentioned Kentucky was up by 15 uh, with about five minutes to go. That's because Sestina hit back-to-back three-pointers to, to – pad that lead out to 15. Uh, Kentucky has five guys scoring double figures with Ashton Hagens adding 11 points there. By the way, just the update on him. Uh, UK said during the game that it was a thigh contusion. And then Kyle, I saw you tweet uh, that you didn't think it was much yeah. much to worry about. Yeah, it's a bruise. He's fine. Uh, checked with some yeah. people. No, no one is is concerned that there's any going to be really any lingering issue with right. Ashton Hagens. Although it could have, I mean, it nearly came back to bite him in the ass at the end. I mean, without him <laughs> out there, they were having some trouble uh, dealing with the press and uh, turned it over a couple times. And um, well, yeah. Sestina's not the guy to be in that spot. You know, right? Like, in even just the spot on the floor that he was, he was at. That shouldn't have been. Yeah, it was kind of a mess, and you know they yeah. had Brooks inbounding, and uh, you know it was, it was a mess. But but they they survived. It's funny though because I had just written the story about close games and how these two teams are, you know, they play all these close games. And the lead of my story was one one not very bold prediction is that this game will be close at the end. And it looked like finally Kentucky was going to drop the hammer up 15 with four minutes to go. Right. And then, you know, there it is. It was four points with like, uh, you know, in the final seconds with LSU really having a shot there at the end. Um, yeah, I mean, some missed free throws and, you know, a three here or something. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, Manuel quickly missed missed a crunch time free throw for the right. first time all season. He was 28 of 28 and missed his 29th. Uh, in the final three minutes of a close game, but uh, but they and, I mean, and LSU had won several of its games in this fashion right here. They've won several and they have now lost five games by three points or less. Mm. Um, and Will Wade was like, it was a weird press conference. He was really kind of snippy and surly and just like visibly agitated at his team. I thought his head was gonna pop off his shoulders when Sestina <laughs> right. hit that second three to put him up 15. You know, oh, yeah. He, he looked uh, nuclear. I mean, Nate, Nate was huge in that game. 
Um, and, you know, first half, I thought he was huge just rebounding the ball. Second half comes out firing. Um, as you mentioned, he went, by the way, he went over a thousand points in his career. It was like he was like stuck on that. For the last two games, he was stuck he, yeah, on that. Yeah, he, he needed six points. Uh, so for the for the last two games, I'm sorry, last three games. So three. so going going into the Tennessee game, he needed six points to get to a thousand career. He scored zero. The next game, Vanderbilt needs six points to get to a thousand for his career. Zero. <laughs> Ole Miss game, he needs six points to get to a thousand for his career. He got five. He yeah. missed. He missed two free throws. He missed like one or two bunnies. It was like he was absolutely jinxed. Um, you know, and he, he had only – so tonight he ends up with 13 points and eight rebounds. He had only had 11 points in the previous five games. He had only had eight rebounds in the previous six games combined. Yeah. Um, it was – I mean, he was really slumping, and it was really a confidence thing. And It was um, his most – was it his most points since uh, Ohio since State? Ohio State, most rebounds since November against yeah. Utah Valley. Right. Uh, November 18th against Utah Valley. I mean, th- this was by far his best game in a long time. And, and this was not supposed to be. This was not a matchup. We've talked about this. This kind of matchup is not for Nate Sestina, like 6'6 six, six, uh, athletic uh, wings. Uh, that's that's not who Sestina can guard. Sestina can guard guys who are more like um, like what you see in the Big Ten. You know, that's, that's the yeah. kind of matchup that he – He's able to get in the game, you think. But yeah. EJ gets in foul trouble. Sestina comes in, and he just simply fights his ass off. That's all it is. It's just nothing but hustle. Yeah, they were a and lot that of hustle, hustle Yeah, all that hustle, what does it lead to? And so many times he would get close on something. He would almost have something, and he gets smacked in the head or something. I mean, he, he got beat up quite a bit. Just He'd fall on the floor. Yeah. He, He's one he, for five in the first half. He couldn't couldn't buy a bucket in the first right. half. But that – but. But playing that way with that kind of energy and it just it builds you up a little bit, you know, having a good run out there where and then the coach says, Yeah, I like your fight, your energy, and you get a few rebounds here and there. That just kinda you know, gets it going for you. Um I mean that's not anything new at all to basketball. Yeah. And uh and obviously in the second half it really got it going for him. But again, it's just fight and energy, and nobody was driving him to the hole. He was fine because uh, Watford wasn't driving on him. Watford wasn't uh, trying to take him to the rim. Yeah, and you know, I thought the the big thing for Nate was has very clearly been mental. I mean, obviously he's got some physical limitations. I mean, he he can't necessarily, like you said, he can't guard you know a guard on the perimeter, and quick quicker big men are gonna um, probably get the best of him at times. Um, but there are things he can do. I mean, he's a big, strong kid. Uh, yeah. He does play hard all the time. He talks on defense after the game. Will Wade talked about how he and Emmanuel quickly were out there calling out to their teammates what LSU is doing offensively and that they don't have guys who do that. Um, but he had like he clearly got in in his head at some point, like, I'm not good enough to be at Kentucky. And he basically admitted that, you know, he's basically saying out loud, like, I'm a, I don't, I don't know if I'm good enough to be at Kentucky. And so he said tonight that Cal Perry gave him a book called 10 minute toughness. And it's just like kind of a, you know, coaching, you know, athletes through mental toughness, yeah. uh, exercises, breathing exercises, um, during the game, visual, visual, I can spit this out, uh, visualization, 
yeah. type drills and things to put yourself through before the game to sort of visualize success. It was interesting. He said that one of the things in the book was to get rid of your can't uh, or your don't Don'ts. words. Yeah. Your don't words, you know, don't, oh, don't foul, don't, you know, don't get beat off the dribble, you know, all those things that you tell yourself that have a negative, that already plant that negative thought in your head. Um, and so I thought that was in kind of an interesting little detail. I thought it was also interesting that he was at the podium with Emmanuel quickly, who had another big game. And he said that they roomed together on the road, and Emmanuel's kind of known for the, the zen stuff that he breathes before the free throws, and he's just kind of a really centered person, and that's obviously led him to be now Kentucky's most consistent player. Um, and he said that rooming with quickly has helped him. Um, you know, they talk about all those things, and um, they play each other one on one at night, I guess, in the in the practice gym. So right. that was that was kind of cool. I mean, those are their two. I would say, I don't think many people would argue that like quickly and Sestina are probably their two smartest and most thoughtful players. Um, you know, and that comes out in a, in a number of ways. So I just, I think it was a big deal for Nate to break through. I mean, Emmanuel yeah. did what he did, 21 points, six assists, three steals, one turnover. He was great. Um, but he's been great. Nate Sestina has yeah. been really bad, like really bad to the point they couldn't really play him lately. Uh, and so to get something for him from him tonight, not just something, but like, you know, major rebounding, three huge shots. He, his, First three took the lead to nine points. His second three made it 12, and his third three made it 15. And that, that's basically where the game was won. Uh, yeah. Because they had, by the end they had to kind of hold on. But uh, I don't think it was a small thing for Nate to come on the road against – and he was a no-star recruit. Like zero. Like I went – I had, right. never, I had yeah. never even looked this up, but I went and looked up his profile on 247. He's just got like a – the outline of a person. There's no actual picture on his profile. <laughs> right. yeah. No stars. And he was playing against a bunch of five-star guys. Emmett uh, Williams is a five-star. Trendon Watford is a five-star. Darius Days was a top 60 recruit. Um, yeah. Those are those are big-time athletes. And I, talk about a confidence builder to go against those guys, probably in an unexpectedly large role and do that well, um, was pretty big. All right, well, we got to get to a break, and when we return, we will talk about Emmanuel Quickly's consistency and what a game he had when the Locked On Kentucky podcast continues. You are Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, we were talking about Nate Sestina, and in the locker room afterward, John Calipari said uh, he said that he had told him he had buzzard luck, and... Um, Actually, the the exact quote from Calipari on that, like in the post game, uh, was that he had said, um, "You can't find something to eat, and nothing will die." Yeah, <laughs> which that's is it. a great, which is a great yeah. line. And you he said, "I was find- said I told him I was praying for him in church because he was, you know, he has had some bad luck." Right. Yeah. Can't can't find anything to eat, and nothing will die. <laughs> and he just wanted him to break through. Um, that was good. And then. In the locker room, they showed, like on Twitter, that uh, he had said to him, buzzard, he had buzzard luck, and then he said to him, uh, hey, wait a minute, and and he makes us different. That makes us different. Like, you know, that if he can do that, like yeah. you just said, he won the game pretty much. The game was kind of won in yep. those little stretches where it goes to nine. It goes, it reminds me a lot of what Kyle Wiltshire did for the 2012 team. You don't have to get in there and, like, Kyle Wilcher was a liability defensively. Uh, you don't have to be 
someone who scores 15 or 20. And and Calipari said it in the post game. He said, these guys, meaning Nate Sestina, Keon Brooks, Johnny Juzang, and EJ. EJ Montgomery, are going to kind of take us where we're going to go. Like, we already know what we're getting from Nick and, and Maxie and, and quickly, although he did say he wanted to see more out of Maxie and Ashton. But those guys, all they have to do is when they come in, they have to add. They can't take away. They have to add. And Sestina definitely added. Um, and it doesn't always have to be Sestina. It can obviously be, you know, Keon doing his thing. But, but as long as they can get a little something from those guys, uh, yes, it does make them – Different. I mean, heck, if you they went two of ten shooting three in the first half. If you start out the second half and you hit your first seven threes, well, yeah, um, that does make you different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that was you know that was the great equalizer. They got they actually ended up getting clobbered on the glass, forty five to thirty three. They gave up twenty three offensive rebounds, but making shots is a big deal. You know, it's <laughs> it's kind of as simple as that. Emmanuel quickly comes out and hits a couple. Uh, Ashton Hagens comes out and nails a couple threes in the second half, and then Sestina hits three in a row. Johnny Juzang hit another one. He's hit a uh, at least one three in six of the last ten games, so he's become a guy to hit some shots. Cal mentioned him after the game, saying he's the reason they were able to hold on and win because he just had a calmness when you know when things kind of got the ball, hairy yeah. at the end of the game. Um, you know, and it, it's it's kind of obvious at this point that Cal is right that it is going to come down to. Those other guys. I mean, I I think, you know, Montgomery gets thrown in there. I think when he doesn't, I mean, he started the game great. He had yeah. the first couple buckets. He blocked a shot or two, and you know, grabbed first two rebounds or big offensive rebounds. Um, but he, he just got completely neutralized by foul trouble in this one, and then Sestina got going. Um, but I think you sort of take Montgomery out of that a little bit. Um, Sestina, Juzang, and Brooks, that's the whole bench. I mean, they only have it. They only have three guys yeah, on the bench. Right. Uh, and, and I think one of the reasons they've had trouble stretching these leads out, which they finally did tonight, even though it, they coughed it up late, um, is because somebody on the bench could step up. You know, everybody, you know, everybody's been playing too many minutes among those starters. Um, and they get kind of worn down, and you just can't play at that high level forever. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the, these are the difference makers. We've seen enough of the season to know about what Ashton's going to be most nights, although he still needs to be a little better, I think. He was, he was much better in the second half before he got hurt. Yeah. Um, but he was rough offensively early. He also had a ridiculous block on defense. I mean, just an absolutely ridiculous block. Um, I mean, I think we kind of know what Higgins is. We kind of know what Maxie is. Uh, Richards has been... Richards and Quickly have been kind of the picture of consistency for them. Um, so, you know, what are those three options on the bench going to give them? Can one of them rise up and play really well? And that's basically what Nate did tonight. And as for, I know we mentioned uh, we were going to talk about Emmanuel Quickly, but I do want to talk about Nick Richards first a little more um, and get to him because as a team, Kentucky has 11 block shots. Uh, Nick is responsible for six of those. Yeah. Um, he also goaltended two, so he he, he rejected right. he he got up and off the floor and rejected I think eight, and then he slid in and took two charges. He was terrific, I thought. Well, and then we mentioned the 
being out rebounded. It was 45-33 overall, but at halftime, I think it was like 25-24. Yeah. And uh as far as like second chance points and um uh offensive rebounds, those were about even in the first half. It was the second half where uh LSU really took off 13 to 2 in offensive rebounds. Um second chance points winds up being 26-12 for the game in LSU's favor. Yet Kentucky outscores LSU 36-28 in the paint. And we mentioned, you know, going into this game that LSU had scored 50 or more in the paint five times this season, 40 or more uh, 11 times. So in the post game, uh, Skyler Mays says, we haven't seen a rim protector as good as Nick Richards. He did a great job controlling the paint, made it tough for us. That's kind of our bread and butter. And he definitely made it a lot harder for us today. And then you had Darius Days, which is their biggest body down there in the front court. He said, it, he said it was really fun being down there with E.J. Montgomery and Nick Richards. We haven't played anyone like that all season, and it was really fun. I got to experience some things that I enjoyed. The big guys down there, me, Emmett Williams, Trendon Watford, and even Marlon Taylor, we're going to have to do better. Uh, then you look at you, – you tweeted about this, that Will Wade said that he added up you know, the, the individual numbers of his front court guys, Days, Watford, and Emmett Williams, and they combined to go 9 of 33 shooting – uh, you take away their two for seven from three, so they wind up seven of 26 on twos. And then I get to looking at the shot chart, and the LSU shot chart for inside the block charge arc, like right around the basket, Kentucky 12 of 13 for 92%. Those one-footers that John Calipari talks yeah. about. LSU 10 of 22, 45%. So a lot of offensive rebounds that were getting put back up and rimming out. And Nick Richards had a lot to do with that because of his presence. And you hear, just told you what those guys said. Like, we haven't seen that before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Wade said that he totally controlled the game defensively. He's as good as there is in the league in the charge circle. Um, you know, I, I thought that was uh, that was a game changer. I mean, Nick I mean those Rick- are high percentage shots. Yeah. And for LSU – Tonight they were forty five percent. And he contested not he cont- high percentage. No, he contested everything, and he also did it without fouling. I mean, he ended up with I think he ended up with three fouls, right? Um, but he had no. I think he had none in the first half. Um, yeah, four total. Yeah. Oh, he ended up with four. Okay. Um, so you know that's the other thing too. When Nick gets to halftime with no, I think he had none. Uh, none. Yeah, none at halftime. When he, when he gets to halftime with no fouls and five blocks, <laughs> by the way. Yeah. Um, he can really kind of go all out in the second half. You know, he can play a little looser. And, and so, and again, that the fact that he's able to, you know, be this big physical presence, he was great again with the jump hook. I mean, nobody could stop it. Um, the fact that he can jump up and, and reject shots at the rim and all that is, is great, but also the fact that he's that big and he can move his feet enough to slide in there and take those two charges that he took in the second half, those are huge. Those are turnovers. Yeah. Um, you know, so when you when you factor it in that way, you know, six block shots, bunch of altered shots, forced probably two or three turnovers by taking charges. Um, Nick was just a massive you know, defensive presence. I thought it was a little weird that he only ended up with six rebounds. Um, yeah. Probably one thing Cal would critique him on. You know, he had a perfect opportunity to be double-double plus those mm-hmm. six blocks. But, uh, 
you know, Nick, like, this is like a pretty good game for Nick that at any other point in his career would be like the best game of his life. Right. And, uh, you know, that's that, that says something, too. All right, we're going to take another break. When we return, we will talk about Emmanuel Quickly's game, um, which and just what he's done now. You asked a question to Calipari in the post game that he didn't um, answer. <laughs> that he did not answer, but it's a question that hasn't been asked really yet this season uh, until tonight. It started to come up, and we'll talk about that next on the Locked On Kentucky podcast. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. We're back here on the Locked On Kentucky podcast, and Emmanuel Quickly has now scored in double figures, 21 points uh, against LSU, double figures for the 15th consecutive game. And over those 15 games, he is shooting 43.4% from three. Uh, He's made 33 threes in the last 15 games. He's the first Wildcat to score double figures in 15 consecutive games since Malik Monk did it in 30 games during the 2016-17 season. Quickly goes 5-for-5 in the second half after going 2-of-7 in the first half. Um, Again, it doesn't matter what what happens in the first half or, or what part of the game. He he is beyond that. He's he's the amnesia guy that, you know, the Calipari will talk about. He's he's gonna keep shooting. He he's just he has no fear. He like you said, he has a freedom where it's like it's it's out of his hands anyway, right? right. It's it's not he doesn't control his fate kind of thing. So twenty one point six assists to one turnover, four rebounds, three steals. Um and the question was asked in the post game uh, because I'm watching. I'll tell you this from home halftime. Uh, Lafonso Ellis, the former Notre Dame player, and Seth Greenberg are kind of going through each conference and who's the player of the year. Their two candidates were Nick Richards and uh, Mason Jones in the SEC. Those are the two guys. But now. Nobody has been talking about Emmanuel quickly. I mean, during the broadcast, during the games, people will mention that, yeah, he's consistent, he plays well, but but nobody mentions him for player of the year. And when you start looking at what he keeps doing again and again and again, why wouldn't he be player of the year? I think it was Andy Kennedy who was the first one that I heard say, you're talking about a first-team all-conference guy. So yeah, now I mean, we got to that point, and now it seems the next point could be player of the year candidate. He's averaging 18 points over these 15 games. He's averaging almost nine, just shy of 19 a game in eight road games, which, you know, those are, you know, the toughest places right. you play. And they've played in a lot of tough ones. That, I mean, that's the other thing, just team-wise. They now have road wins at Arkansas, at Texas Tech, at Tennessee, at LSU, and took Auburn to the wire on the road. And every one of those gyms were crazy. Yeah. Um, you know, all those opponents were at least – competent uh to very good um georgia early on was also a tough environment yeah and and that first exactly first game there exactly and they played really well there i mean they they've what lost one road two road games they lost the uh the south carolina game on the buzzer beater but i mean they've been a really good road team um and emmanuel quickly is a big part of that i mean 19 points a game on the road um You know, I, I don't know. I don't. I don't know um, what else Emmanuel quickly has to do to get into that conversation. I mean, I've been slow to come around to it just because it's kind of like he's uh, he's the steady guy, and that's essentially 
kind of what Cal, he, he really didn't answer my question. He went into this whole thing about how he likes every in a, within a season to have five guys score 25-plus in a game because then when you get into the NCAA tournament, right. you know, you, you know that multiple guys could carry you on a given night and you're not just relying on one or two. And he pointed out, which I didn't even realize, uh, you know, that they've had Maxi do it. His season high is 27 against Louisville. Uh, they've had Ashton do it. He had 26 in one of the early games, Vermont or somebody. Um, uh, even EJ, EJ, had like EJ Montgomery 20. had 25 against Fairleigh Dickinson. Um, Nick Richards had 27 just a couple games ago. Uh, and at, and, the, and he noted that Emmanuel, the fifth guy, actually hasn't scored 25. He had, he's had, he scored 23 is his season high. But he's had 20. He's had six 20-plus 20 point games in the last 15 over this hot streak he's on. Um, so he scored 20 a bunch. I think he has maybe more 20-point games than anybody on the roster. Um, but that tells you, though, I mean, even though he doesn't fall in the technical 25-point uh, designation that Cal said, that that's five guys who've scored at least 23. And then you've got Nate, who scored 17 in the Ohio State game. Um, you know, and in the right matchup, if he's hitting threes, he can score for you. Yeah, so that, that's all. That's all good stuff. But as it as it relates to to Emmanuel, it almost felt like a no from Cal when I was like, "Should we be talking about him as SEC Player of the Year?" He danced around it with all this other stuff, and he came back around and said, "Well, he's been really consistent." But it was kind of weird that Cal didn't take that opportunity to to stump to promote him, yeah, to stump for quickly, which I, I think. You know, I think he's going to start to get some notice now. This was a big, you know, this was a national game. You know, Billis on the call. Uh, apparently, Carl Ravage looked 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 or sounded or both a little bit rough. All these people were tweeting at me that he looked like he'd been on a bender. I have no idea. I, had, I didn't get close to him. And well, he looked like at you know he had maybe gone out and played golf all day and then didn't shave before the game. Oh, really? (laughs) He had like stubble around his chin and his face was bright red. Uh, But I noticed, I don't know what it is, um, but I noticed just across like the the, the scores table and stuff, all these dudes that were sitting there, all their faces were red. So I I don't know if there's like free beer before the game or what, but... (laughs) Uh, sitting next to Jay Billis, uh, there was a contrast there. Jay was very chalky, and and Ravitch was very red faced, very red. Yeah, so interesting. I, I don't know, but yeah, you did not notice that national game. You pointed out, um, even though that this is uh, a sixth quad one win for Kentucky, six and three now is Kentucky in quad one games, and Florida may provide. Two opportunities instead of one after uh, beating Arkansas at home Tuesday night. Um, we'll see. But uh, and Ken Palm, they didn't move. The net rankings don't uh, adjust, I guess, until another couple days or something. Okay, they just okay. have games through the seventeenth. This is the nineteenth. But Ken Palm does update through uh, games through the Tuesday night, and still has Kentucky thirtieth. Uh, so, so I don't know. To win at LSU, I think just because LSU is now what dropped four of five, three of those previous games were on the road. Uh, Alabama and Auburn, I mean, those are pretty tough games. The Vanderbilt one, okay, but um, but yeah, this is a big win, and I th- I thought uh, Kentucky just kind of handled it. You know, they just 
it just didn't seem like it was much. Uh, there was I didn't I didn't ever really think there was a chance UK wasn't going to win this game until the very very end. And I'm like, oh well, they hit a three or something here. It could it could be over quickly, but. But yeah, I mean they were they were pretty well in control of a you know against a I think good twenty seven minutes they led something like that yeah good opponent in a tough environment um, and they stayed they started thirtieth and they they finished thirtieth <laughs> the night in in Ken Palm that's bizarre I, I mean it's bizarre to me you know Rutgers with eight losses is ahead of them Wisconsin with ten losses is ahead of them uh, Purdue is fourteen and thirteen and is five spots ahead of Kentucky and Ken Palm. Even after losing tonight. Yeah. I mean, Tuesday I, night. That was the game before was Purdue and Wisconsin, and Purdue lost. Yeah, I, don't, I just, I don't, I don't, <laughs> uh, I don't understand it. I mean, you know, there are 19, there are 19 teams ahead of Kentucky in Ken Palm with more losses <laughs> than Kentucky. Yeah. And double-digit teams that have two or more uh, more losses than Kentucky. So, you know, obviously the Evansville anchor is just going to hang forever around their neck. I mean, Evansville is now, oh, my they're God. They're 0-12 oh in my conference God. play. No, 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 they're not. They're 0-14. 0-14. They have lost 14 consecutive games. Good grief. Uh, and 15 of the last 16. They are... Nine and eighteen, Evansville. So that's just the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, you know, I mean, there. I I don't know. I is there? Is could well, Evansville end up being the worst team in college basketball? <laughs> they could. I mean, that's, well, with the Ken Palm thing, it goes adjusted offensive efficiency. Yeah, and, and, and part adjusted of adjusted defensive deficiency. And then the difference between those two numbers is how you are ranked. So it doesn't even factor in wins and losses, right? Uh, no, it does. I I don't know exactly how all the math works, but that that's because because West Virginia is sixty eighth in adjusted def, adjusted offense and number one in adjusted defense, and they're seventh overall. Um, so it's not just a strict. It's not strictly that, but it does weight a lot offensive and defensive efficiency. And one of the problems in terms of just like specifically to tonight, one, they blew their opportunity to, to get margin of victory. You know, if they'd really yeah. finished dropping the hammer, that helps. And two, uh, in the process, you know, they, they ended up right about on their season averages on, um, you know, points per possession allowed and, and scored. And so they didn't move the needle there any. They didn't. They basically didn't. They didn't improve their their over their season um, offensive efficiency or defensive efficiency really at all. So, you know, that's all a bunch of nerdy stuff to say that like basically this was a game that I guess the computer looked at and goes, well, that, that's what Kentucky is. That's like what Kentucky's been all year. So we'll keep them right there. <laughs> Still doesn't make sense to me that the team that's got 13 losses. I mean, that is absurd. Uh, and it's, again, it's, yeah. it's not, there's, Ken Pomeroy is not uh, who writes for The Athletic, uh, by the way, um, in addition to having his own site. I mean, he's not out there going like, ah, I got to juice up uh, Purdue. I mean, I don't, I, right. just, for whatever reason, this season just does not match. Some of the computer stuff does not match what our eyeballs are telling, or just even common sense. Like, uh, nobody on earth thinks 13 lost Purdue 
is five spots better than twenty-one and five Kentucky. Nobody, right. nobody. There's not a human on the planet that. Thinks but that. Kentucky's number thirtieth rank, number thirty ranking in Ken Palm, is a part of the net ranking. So, like, it's one of the pieces that makes up the net ranking. So, as long as Kentucky doesn't have good movement there, it's going to keep it back in those net. But anyway, let's let's end with one um, omen for you guys out there. Uh, if you don't follow Corey Price on Twitter, you should because his stuff is uh, – I, I don't know where he finds this. Maybe he has, like, uh, a software program where he just punches in stuff. Like I maybe think he, he has, interned. I think he has a like photographic memory, actually. Uh, I mean, I, I think he interned at the Elias Sports Bureau <laughs> and found out some of their software, uh, and he he figured out how to write his own software program where he just enters in different variables and it spits out. Is this just a theory you have? Yeah, it's just okay. a theory I have. Yeah. <laughs> because how other how else otherwise than going back and spending. You know, forever looking through the the, the uh, media guide, would you find that Kentucky has beaten uh, LSU in Baton Rouge, Tennessee in Knoxville, and Vanderbilt in Nashville this season, um, and the f- previous three seasons that Kentucky has done that were 2012, 1998. In 1996, and uh, I think you all know what those three seasons have in common. Yeah, how about that? That's and that's like, uh, isn't that the second sort of last time they did this? They won a national title stat from him. What was the other it one? It was uh, uh, the last time. Oh, like the uh, la- the last three teams that won in Knoxville went to the final right. four. Exactly, yeah. that was it. The last three teams that won in Knoxville went to the final four. So, so you already got that going for you, which yeah. is nice. Omens, <laughs> omens, and I believe uh, well, isn't there? There's some stat about like Kentucky and national championships and not not winning them without a Kentucky kid on the roster. Like, oh yeah, so there seems to be Dante Allen. I think Dante uh, Allen is yeah, puts him in the mix for that. I guess right. Anyway, and then uh, well, we we just won't. We're good. We're good. We're good on it. We can go on. We can go on <laughs> those go. rants. We can go on those rants yeah. later. But uh, it's two two thirty in the morning Eastern time. One. Yes, it's two thirty in the morning Eastern time, and I am hosting Tom Leach at nine a.m. Eastern uh, Wednesday morning. So in uh, less than seven hours, I need to be at the the radio station. So Get yourself to bed, brother. Cut this thing off right here, and uh, of course, the rest of the week we'll uh, start to talk about uh, Florida coming up on Saturday, uh, and more about these Wildcats, including what Devin Askew did. We'll talk about him also on tomorrow's Locked On Kentucky podcast. In the meantime, uh, follow, and we'll uh, get to the question that uh, our buddy had on Twitter, which was about um, the above bubble stuff. Did you see that? Yes, I did. Yeah, so we'll we'll uh, address that as well. Uh, so anything else you got for us, hit us up on Twitter at D-R-I-E-F-F-E-R is where you can get me and Kyle is at. Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. Thanks for listening, everybody. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcast Locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.